This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on the phone is Lauren Lataro. Lauren, thank you for chatting with me this morning. Oh, thank you for asking. Yes, this is uh, our paths have not directly crossed, but we have both worked on the same show, Waitress the Musical. I was in the most recent reiteration of it uh, that ended <laughs> because of the coronavirus. Um, you were are the original choreographer of the show, which we're going to talk about and so much more. I want to bring it back to the beginning of time for Lauren. What were your theater dance dreams growing up? Growing up? I mean, I said I wanted to be a dancer on Broadway by the time I was four years old. So I don't know if that's just because that's what every little girl wants or, hmm. and I never grew out of that dream or I just sort of knew that that's what I wanted to do. I just knew. I just knew. It was just never, there was never anything else I was interested in doing. Were your parents, are your parents involved in entertainment or dance? Does anyone else in your family foster this? Or was no, this everybody's, a, everybody's a doctor. Oh. <laughs> Except okay. me. It's like the weirdest thing. No, my dad, I grew up in a household where there was lots of singing. Uh, my mom and dad play piano. Um, you know, so there's, there's a musicality that I think I, I received from both of them, but no, nobody ever did it besides as a hobby. What did your parents teach you about work ethic? Mm -hmm. I mean, we work hard in my family and I, I'm one of four. So it, it, you know, from chores as children to just the expectations of, um, high level grades and high level studying and, um, and it just, and dance teaches you the same thing. You know, you just, you just can't, when you're in a dance class, uh, your highest self is, is, is asked to be brought to that class always. Are there uh, standout moments from studying at Juilliard? Yeah, so many. <laughs> Juilliard, Juilliard for me, I think about this so often, especially right now with what everything is going on in the world. Um, with both the pandemic and Black Lives Matter. And for me, you know, I came from a pretty homogenized middle-class town in New Jersey. And for me, when I got to Juilliard, it opened up the entire world, just the entire world, the internationality of it, the, uh, um, you know, there was just so many people. Uh, there, were, there were so many black people. There were so many Korean people and Japanese people. I had a black roommate. I had a Japanese roommate. Mm. Um... Uh, it just it just really for me shifted everything about a perspective on the world, and I feel so 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 lucky that that was my college experience. Um, and dance wise, again, it was the same thing. You know, we studied flamenco, we studied Indian dance we, with a, a Indira, like a world famous uh, um, Bharat Natyam uh, Indian dancer. We studied African dance. We took two ballet classes a day sometimes, got to learn all, you know, Pina Bausch was our teacher our freshman year. You know, I mean, that's definitely a standout. Imagine walking into a studio and there's Pina Bausch, like that's a Medigliani painting, you know, all in black, in a black turtleneck and in like, it was like 80 degrees outside and she's like in the studio, like this lift you know, giant smoking a cigarette inside. No, we weren't allowed to smoke, but they let her smoke. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was my freshman year. And this is really before internet was the internet. You know, I went to college in the 90s, and you couldn't just Google P. 
Pina Bausch back then. It didn't, that didn't, Google did not exist. So it was really a unique experience to just experience that for the first time without really knowing what it was. Had you always had a laser focus on what you wanted or had self-doubts ever come in? If so, how did you knock them? It's both. I've always had a laser focus on what I wanted and I've always had self-doubts, but you just mm. push through them. You just, I mean, that's the beauty of dance is that like it's, it's, it's sort of like you just keep working, you know. I mean, you might have to tie your leg to a bedpost overnight to make your leg go higher, but <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just work through it, you know. So that's sort of what was always interesting to me about. And, and I don't think you could be an artist without self-doubt. And th- that self-doubt is constantly questioning yourself and pushing you to ask deep, deep questions. And if you can live with the discomfort of that and it doesn't break you down, then then this is the business for you. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you do you journal or meditate? Mm, no, I mean, ballet class has always been a meditation and sure. um, a physical meditation. And um, uh, um, like right now, I'm still doing ballet in my kitchen. I go out for a, a run every morning or a bike ride, one or the other, or a long, long walk. So the physicalness of just a quiet time of that is still very important to me. Um, and then I, I feel like I get into a meditative state in a way when I'm choreographing, when I'm thinking about what the piece is, when I'm sitting down and listening to the music over and over and over again. So for me, the, the external world goes away when I'm doing the work. Are you during this time choreographing either for creativity or for any specific projects or, you know, projects you can't name? I'm not choreographing, but what I'm doing is I read a ton of books and watched a ton of movies and mm. I actually found um, two projects that I'd like to direct just from my time just sort of hunkering down and looking at material that interests me so in this time I think I'm thinking about what it means to move into the uh, you know directing and choreographing yeah what was the when was the, when was the decision to choreograph it was early on I always even at Juilliard, was always choreographing. Um, and um, while I was on Broadway dancing for uh, maybe 15, 20 years, I was always choreographing on the side, whether that was assisting choreographers in what we call skeleton crews. So before shows go into rehearsals, there's always a group of small dancers, a small group of dancers who work with the choreographer to sort of... So I did a lot of that work, um, during the day, I was always choreographing for Broadway Bears and the um, what they now call the Red Bucket Follies and the right. Easter Bonnet. I always had little side projects with friends choreographing, so it was never it was never not there. It was always there. It's just that I wasn't really getting paid to do it, or I was. Get, and then I started assisting, and then I started you know and dance captaining, which sort of relates to it because you're really looking at structure. You start going from the inside to the outside. You know what I mean? So you're dancing on Broadway. You're just focused on yourself. Then you're dance captaining, and you're looking at the show, and you're noting the show from a larger perspective. Then you're assistant choreographing and then associate choreographing, standing next to the choreographer and the director. So you're really learning from the two of them. And it gives you a low-cost way of being creative because you can throw out a million ideas, and there's no cost to them. In other words, if they don't work, and the choreographer says, no, fine. But they're the ones on the line getting the reviews and, and you know, hearing from the director. So it was a great way to practice. And then you start choreographing, you know. So that's sort of been the way I did it. 
did you do you attribute um your your step through to like official associate or official choreographing having that title card so to speak to any one project in particular because as i was going through like your the background and everything there's like you're right it was like dance captain associo and then so i don't know if anything one particular project yeah. i mean for me american idiot was a giant step okay. um in the right direction uh, i was asked to associate choreographer Stephen hoggett and I'm so glad I said yes, because he really changed the way I look at movement on some level for, for certain things. And, um, and then after doing that work, I did a few other associate choreographic jobs, but then like Michael Mayer would call me and now Michael and I work together as director and choreographer. So right. not only did I learn um, invaluable things from Steven, I now have a collaborator, you know, 10 years later that I work with. So it's very, very special to me. What what did you learn about communication as a dance captain? It's interesting you bring that up because I'm still learning about communication, especially right now in the middle of all this. The what I'm learning first of all is that everyone, what we all know, and we, what we've always known, is that everyone wants to be treated with respect. Yes. And I <laughs> talk to dancers the way I wanted to be talked to as a dancer, and. You know, in my 14 Broadway shows as a dancer, sometimes you were talked to well, and sometimes you were talked to not so well. And I always genuinely, of course, want my dancers to feel um, like they are important. So I try and always do that. What I'm learning now, especially in this moment, is that the specificity of a note is even more important than I ever really even realized, because depending on your background and where you come from, and what you've experienced in your life, you actually experience that note differently. So, hmm. um, you know, we're still, I still work on that. I still think it's very, very important. But what I've learned is that specificity of both qualitative and quantitative notes are really, nothing could be more important. There, you know, you're bringing up a really great point because along the process of putting a show together, there are a ton of notes, a ton of changes, and... I guess you have to be specific in what you're saying to cast members and other members of the company to be almost economical <laughs> with the communication so there's not too much conversation, people aren't overthinking. I wonder if you've gotten better at that or if you've gotten more economical in your terms of communicating, which is something you've already just answered with being more specific with notes. Uh, is there a process that you are you thinking consciously as you do this, or is this more yes. like a just in the subconscious? No, totally conscious. Okay, totally conscious. When I let's say I walk into a room, and I always walk in prepared. It's not I don't come in with nothing. I might come in with things that change, or you know, based on somebody's idea in the room, we shift something. But I always walk in prepared. Right. The first thing I do for everybody in the room is give them an overview of what we're about to do and why we're about to do it and who they are in this moment and where we start and where we end so that everybody has the big idea. So we're all in the same salad bowl. Does that make sense? Yes. And then once we're doing it, then we can continue to get specific. But sometimes, you know, if you forget to share your salad bowl idea and you're <laughs> just in the salad and the tomatoes, you're like, where am I? <laughs> you know? Right. So... I start and start there. And I do think that um, concise communication is very important because too much at somebody at the same time is overwhelming and the, our bandwidth, we just can't, we can't just 
take it all in. We just need essential information. Is there a show that has the most of you in it in terms of choreography or one that taught you the most about yourself? Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure that I've had that experience yet as a choreographer. I mean, I hope to have that experience. But moving out as a dancer, for me, posse, swing, and moving out, I think... um, as on stage for me as a dancer, I think really um, those three shows, you'll see the fundamentals of those three shows in my work quite often, um, choreographically. And then, you know, adding, you know, Pina and Stephen Hoggett. And uh, so, you know, I sort of come from those places um, creatively, I would say. Sure, sure. I um. I'm curious, you touched on this a little bit earlier, and we are jumping around, so I appreciate you following along. The um, relationships in in the industry, the professional relationships, how do you view them? The relationships. I mean, I, uh, I view them as, as collaborators and, sure. and friends. And, and um, people, you know, I like to be in a room with people I like to be in a room with. In other words... I, for me, art has always been a genuinely happy place to be. It's hard work, but it's happy. And I want to be in a room with people who continue to make that joyful feeling for me and for them. And the beauty of this, this, this theater community is that, you know, there's, there's so many ways to collaborate with people. So like Jerry Zachs and I are working together now on Mrs. Doubtfire. And um, my first Broadway show was Swing. And he was, he came in to direct the show and I was a dancer in it. And here we are together and I'm the choreographer in Mrs. Doubtfire 20 years later, almost to the day. So, I mean, crazy, right? What was that that conversation? What was that conversation with Jerry? Was it, was it just a, Hey, working on this project? How did that come about? I think that the producer, Kevin, um, brought my name up to Jerry and I had this interview with Jerry. I didn't even have to audition for the show. He went and saw some of my work at the time. Merrily We Roll Along was on Broadway, off-Broadway. And um, uh, Waitress was on Broadway. So I think he saw those two things and maybe watched some of my reels. And then we had an interview. He just wanted to check in with me and see if he liked me. And then here we were. <laughs> so um, it was great, you know. And at first I was like, there's no way I'm getting this job. He's not going to hire me. He thinks of me as like this 19-year-old little funky dancer. There's no way, you know. But he did. He hired me. So here we are. So this late in the game, it's really nice to have this relationship develop this way, you know. Are there are there standout uh, lessons learned from him in terms of the, the oh way he comes Oh, my God. Every day. Yeah. Every day. I worked with the best directors, Michael Mayer, Jerry Zachs. Marianne Elliott, Des Mackinoff. I mean, every day is a masterclass from these people. Every single day. um, Common, okay, so going along this this theme here, the common themes of top performers you've worked with, are there, do you see any common themes? Openness in the room. Um, Both the ability to be, have creative input and say, you know, I was thinking, what do you think about this in this moment? And the ability to hear the word no, if the director of the choreographer or the writer is not interested in going in that direction. It is a constant give and take. And um, if everyone is respectful and giving and taking, um, that's how I think you make great, great art. 
how do you how do you begin to choreograph a piece? And I know this is a broad question and it varies on projects, but if you were to pick one, how what is what is the general beginnings for Lauren? With an idea. Always with an idea. Before I even listen to the music, like if you take Waitress, for example, I read the script and um, I was brought in after it was done at ART. I did not see it at ART, so I don't know what the issues were at ART. What I do know is that they didn't know how to break open the pie moment. So apparently at ART, she just stood there, talked about the ingredients and baked a pie for the audience over and over again. And it wasn't working. And when I read the script, I had also read this article in the New York Times that week. I just happened to have read this article about the importance of daydreaming in your life. And I said, well, she's, she's, she's daydreaming. That's her I want. She doesn't care about the baking in these moments. She cares about getting the hell out of this marriage. And the only time she's happy is when she's daydreaming. And the only time she has courage is when she's daydreaming because she doesn't have those skills in real life yet. She's like practicing in her mind. Right? Yes. And that's yeah. how all those little pie moments came about. So it's like, what does she really want? She wants a suitcase. She wants to take her clothes and she wants to get the hell out of there. She wants to be lifted up in the air off of the ground and just uh, on a cloud with Dr. Commodore, you know, away from reality, away from a pregnancy. Away. So all of those moments came out of that idea. So the idea came first and then we got in a studio and then we made them and then sarah wrote music around them with me with them you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast join clay next week for another curiosity conversation on entertainment x thank you for listening 